0: It's the power of language. We can connect and we can divide and it's how we choose to use it. That's the one thing. And and that everybody deserves to be able to unlock the power of language. And people hear my story and they get overwhelmed and you're amazing, but they forget to listen to what's important. What's important is that you actually have to not let other people's interpretation of who you are define who you are.
1: Now is the time. You're invited to join us a movement of leaders who are willing to step into a new approach to leadership across the global landscape. This is as simple as humanity being just you and I, and stakeholders being the value you place on each decision to add or take away from humanity going forward. Hold a minute. Stay with us. We know people like you want to play at a different scale, And these conversations help create the opportunity for you to take this up a notch, or two, or a whole lot more. With a curiosity, let's dig deeper, behind the scenes to see the why, the what, the where, the who, and the when. From other smart humans who make smart decisions and innovate smart, sustainable solutions to narrow the gap from problem to solution. Learn in today's conversation how you can begin to do this. Come, join us.
2: Hey, I am just so excited you're here with me. We are just going to have a conversation, but just a conversation I'd love to share with the world, really. I mean, that's just, you know, letting humanity come in to a little corner of our
0: room, wherever we are. So where are you in the world? Right now I'm sitting in my office in Brisbane. I'm being very civilised right now.
2: All right, so you're in Brisbane. I'm in Japan. And I just wanted to let the world in on our conversation, because I think conversation is such a great place for yeah. us to learn, for us to realize that what is going on, yeah. and then maybe even come up with some ways of how to make this a better place here on earth. And uh, so let's, let's get with it. Are you on? Are you with it? on.
0: I'm on. I'm ready.
2: Right. I'm so, about to get
0: hearing the read.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that. Anyway, I'm just so grateful that I've got you here, Jacqueline. Do you want to tell the world what you do? Don't give them the, this is the one thing. This is a safe platform where we just literally want to have conversations. So if you were wanting to be remembered at the end of your life, how would you want people to remember you?
0: For giving people a voice.
2: Awesome. Then you're the right person to have on this, this conversation because that's what we want. We want humanity to have a voice. Yeah. That sounds great. It's huge. Humanity's huge. Things are happening across the world. But what, what do you mean by have a voice? What does that mean to you? So,
0: one of the, so there's a few things, it's, if it's okay. There's, there's two or three strains. Girl, that. it is
2: yeah. perfect, just
0: whatever. <laughs> so, you know, technically what I do at the moment is I teach people how to speak, and that's our main message to market with my business. Yeah, right. What my life has always been about is giving people a voice. So... If I look historically, I had a massive recruitment business. And we, you know, the headlines are I took it from four million to twenty-two million in fifteen months, and all that sort of sexy stuff. Mm-hmm. But the sexy part was the, the projects that we did that delivered that sort of revenue were about getting disadvantaged and invisible people back into work, mm-hmm. which then gave them financial empowerment, so fiscal empowerment, and then gave them a voice because once they had their essentials covered, they could start to articulate what it was that they wanted in their life and then in their community and things like that. So it was a really empowering thing. It was also, we had a lot of temporary staff. So we had anything up to 250 people across Australia on any given day and being casual, we never knew from one day to the next what that number was going to be. And we had a lot of people who were caught in the gap. So things like no access to training because they were temporary staff, not on the books, no access to sick leave, no access to annual leave. So I, before flexible work conditions were a thing, I took on a project and had identified by the Industrial Relations Commission of Australia, I had six core templates agreed that I could give my staff temporary, so the same benefits as being permanent, but still retaining the casual flexibility that I needed. And this is 15 years ago. And that gave so many people a place of permanence and the confidence to have a voice. And so all of our recruitment work was actually around getting people back to work, back to actually having their survival needs covered and then actually elevating to what they actually really wanted out of life. And then I moved from there to consulting work and I ended up, I shouldn't say ended up, I built the skills to be able to be a really great industrial relations consultant. Mm-hmm. And that was actually about giving small and medium business owners a voice because what I noticed, I just went in doing some general consulting and what I noticed was business owners felt as if, well, no, not felt as if they were being held to ransom by their staff and they were held in fear because they believed that the law meant that they had no rights and staff were getting away with hijacking companies yeah. and as small and medium business owners you don't have access to the legal expertise that the big players have so I decided to fix that yeah. and you know I did 27 enterprise bargaining agreements for rapid growth medium-sized businesses I did fair work things I was actually had one case where we had to actually go before the UN because we the my client had inadvertently breached the UN convention on child slavery by trying to give a kid from the wrong side of the tracks a good start So, you know, all these amazing things that were just about giving people a voice. And so what I believe really, truly, and, you know, the reason I, so I started doing my speaker training workshops just as something to fill in time because I've been CEO of a traffic control company, like all big things where it was about giving. So I gave traffic controllers a voice. We actually, we lost a major contract and my traffic controllers in my company refused to move over to the new contract holders (laughs) um, because we had built so much loyalty and they felt so heard and understood. So which was unheard of. So the clients actually sat me down and said, you need to help us migrate the staff. And so I had to navigate that and get them, them over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that was really interesting. And whilst I so I started doing the speaker training workshops just to have something to do until a real thing came along. Wow. And what I realised was, and we do a lot more than just the workshops, that's only about 20% of our revenue, but that's our message to market. Wow. But what I realised was there is something really powerful about getting people to unpack what they know to be true about the world, whether it's great or traumatic, dramatic or celebratory and teaching them how to unpack all of that and giving them a voice and a way to speak with strength and power. And I now say strength, power, and grace, Mm -hmm. because when we, when we understand how to speak and, you know, I come from the wrong, I should have been statistic by the time I was 20. And the only reason I hold the place I have now is because I learned how to have a voice. Mm -hmm. And when somebody understands how to speak how to speak powerfully, and how to be able to articulate what's going on in their world, whether it's a complete mess or absolute joy, then what you unlock for people is possibility. So when people start to learn how to speak, and they start to learn how to have a voice, it's not just about being heard. And that's, you know, that's what everyone thinks about is being heard. But once you're heard, you actually have possibility open up in front of you. And that's what I love about it. Agree.
2: Oh my goodness, such gold in so many ways in just that first little bit. Do you know what's funny though? If you have a look, like, and we, we peel back a little bit of the onion, right? Like, we peel yeah. back in a little and we go under it. And you think, because one of the things you said was if you go back into your history, it was about the fact that you didn't have a voice. Can we mm-hmm. go there a little and find out more about it? Yeah.
0: What- Yeah, absolutely. So I guess the best way to put it is, and I do speak to this sometimes, so I can sort of articulate it reasonably well. I I expect nothing less from you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I, you know, I think the best way to summarise it, and then I'll go back a little bit, is probably about 10 years ago now on a Saturday night sitting at home with my gorgeous family in beautiful, you know, seaside Queensland, the landline rang and you know what it's like, I mean, we don't even have a landline now. But no, I was you know. going to say, landline. What is that? Come on, the, the landline. I'm land- not going to know what that is. Oh yes, <laughs> we're recording. Must so know the a phone landline. To <laughs> phone, exactly. phone to the wall rang, and we all looked at each other because we're like, "What the hell? anyway?" So I answered it, huh. and it was a woman who I had grown up with, and we hadn't been in touch. And she'd reconnect with me on Facebook probably about three months prior. And then I tracked down my phone number and we're chatting away and and catching up after, you know, like 20, 25 years or something and um, 20 years. And she all of a sudden started crying and I was like, what's wrong? And she said, well, she said, I just feel really guilty. She said, I've like literally stalked your Facebook profile ever since we connected and you have got this amazing life with all these businesses and this travel and these gorgeous children. And she said, I just feel so guilty. I was like, why? And she said, well, I never even thought to try and find you because i never expected you to be alive right so you know so i grew up to the outside world quite privileged a lot of different so my my parents have got six marriages
2: see this is the thing we've we've got to understand privilege to you means what
0: i was we had great homes we had i had a private education all that sort of stuff. So from the outside world,
2: in people's world, that would be privilege.
0: I would agree. Yeah, absolutely. In most parts of the world, and I think even being able to get to school is a privilege in many uh-huh. parts of the world. Uh-huh. So, so the outside world. So there's six marriages and five divorces. Sorry, seven marriages and six divorces between my parents. Uh-huh. Um, most of them happened before I was 20. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes we were living as millionaires, and sometimes we were living in one hotel room while my mother worked downstairs for a room and board. Uh-huh. There was about six what or seven. Yeah, <laughs> there was absolute extremes and there was about six or seven years of sexual abuse for me from the age of 11 and that actually wasn't a trigger point. So I talk about this. The trigger point for me was when I spoke up, when I went to, I decided that, you know, I was I was at a private school in regional Queensland, one of the elite schools. I was heading out of year 10 into year 11 on track for a scholarship to Bond University to study law I was going to do that to go to Harvard, to get my, like my life was mapped out. And I say to people all the time, it wasn't that suddenly an event happened. What happened was suddenly I let those events in. Mm -hmm. So the events had been happening all my life from the age of six, various forms of abuse and control and that sort of stuff and shifting family relationships and all of that. So it'd always been happening. But suddenly I decided that the only way I was going to get rid of all of this stuff happening was to actually go home and confront it. So I dropped out of school, dropped out of friends, dropped out of everything to go home to confront this thing. And it never, cro- first thing is it never crossed my mind that I would not win. And the second okay, thing is...
2: Stop, stop, stop for a second there. Why did it never cross your mind to, that you wouldn't win? You know why I asked that question? Because so many people, when this has been the background, and I have to say, I've come from a very similar background where there's a lot of abuse and, and you know, yucky things going on. But I can tell you, I always thought I was never good enough I was not smart and why should I be worthy of anything other than what was given to me? So
0: why you? Why did you think that? So I went to, as I said, a really great private school and it was very traditional focused and for, you know, 30 years ago, very forward, as in I was in the top 3% of girls in maths in Australia and I was in a school that supported that. You know, so I had a maths teacher who, when he realised was myself and a girlfriend who were in the top 3% in Australia, and when he realised that, he moved through all our years with us, right? So he was our role model, our mentor. You girls can do anything. Was
2: that um, the track record or because he knew he could help you?
0: No, he knew, no, <laughs> he, knew he could help us. Okay, um, we we up, had these things. It was an incomplete loop in my head, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and we had, so I had that teacher. I had a couple of teachers. I had them. Um, A legal studies teacher who was an ex-barrister and I could win legal arguments with her on the classroom floor. So I went into that school very much disadvantaged and feeling out of place because I wasn't quite the boarding student, I wasn't quite the day student, I didn't really know where I fit. But I found a place. And the other thing was going away to school. It pulled me out of this really crappy environment. And I was with people who came from families that were successful and didn't question their right to be successful. And so I had this mixture of, you know, on one hand... My mother was on, you know, was really highly regarded politically, really highly regarded in the community, but crap at keeping family and relationships together. On the other hand, my father was actually involved in the criminal underworld in Queensland, and here I am sitting in... Great combination, extreme. (laughs) Extremes again. So, you know, and, and in the middle of it, I was getting pulled, I was getting dumped into our world. And then I would get pulled out to this great world and then I'd get dumped into it on the holidays again and pulled out again. So I read a book in grade 11 and I was, you know, as I said, on track for Bond Uni, great group of friends, really quite comfortable. It was happening. It was gonna happen. Yes. And I read a book and I decided, I made a decision that the only way to get rid of all of this was to go home and confront it. As I said, and it seriously didn't cross my mind that I wouldn't win. I just believed that if I went home and confronted it and that sort of stuff. So I did that. And in doing so, I disconnected from this world that had been my saviour that I hadn't actually realised was. And then when I, then it was too much for me. And when I finally went, this is too much for me. Actually, I'm not going to win this. In fact, I think it's going to kill me. I spoke up and I was thrown under the bus by an entire town Mm -hmm. and with the cheerleader as my mother. Wow. Oh, and dumbfounded me is the only way to say and, and that's the point when I went off the track. So all the other stuff didn't even touch the sides. That was the point of not being heard. And and even worse, of then being explained to by a number of people that they knew I was telling the truth but they could never, ever support me. Yeah.
2: Just stop there. What, there's so much goodness in that of learning from that. Like one is the reason I want to have these conversations is this. We cannot change what is happening going forward if we don't even look at what have been the past patterns Mm -hmm. and then how we can disrupt that, you know, going Mm -hmm. forward. So we have to dive back in, even though sometimes it's uncomfortable to go back into what was, it is our learning ground. And I love to hear how everyone's learning ground is so different. Like that's that learning ground that you had on one point it's like you have everything. On the other point, it's like you've got nothing, yet you chose, even though you had everything that you could go for, you chose to go the other way. To me, that is like how do we even as human beings get to that point and then like why didn't you just go this way? Like the world was your oyster baby and you chose not to.
0: Yeah, and not only did I choose not to, it was so diametrically opposite to the world that I created that I believed I was going to. And I just saw this as a detail I'll go and sort this shit out and I'll get back on track. And it was it, like it threw me so badly because it destroyed everything I believed to be true about the world full stop. Because I actually believed that if I spoke up, that people who love me would support me, not actually crucify me. Wow. And so, and I'd never spoken up. So I think it was just. I still had hope because I never, I'd never had that experience to be shut down because I just kept my mouth shut about everything going on.
2: I just, I can't keep you going on that one. You had hope. Why would you have hope when you saw that everything was going the wrong way? Like, what was that hope? Where did that oh, go? when
0: everything went the wrong way, I lost hope. Right? Okay. But I always had hope. So how did and you I go
2: Like, if you thought. You say there, you, you always had hope. Oh, what was that hope? Why Why? Where did it come
0: Because from? I was always, I was exposed to a different world. So there's two ways I was exposed to a different world. One was through being sent away to boarding school for my secondary education. The first one even before that, though, was I was a voracious reader. So I read nonfiction, fiction, I always read. So I was always exposed to there's a different world,
2: right? So you knew of something different. Even though you weren't choosing to do it, you knew of yeah. something.
0: So but what happened though when this was, when I spoke up and I got smashed was it destroyed me and there's no two ways about it. So from the age of 16 to the age of 23, to say I was off the tracks would be an understatement. We have um, our stories like that, don't we? <laughs> and, you know, and, and what actually changed was um there was two things that changed was I was actually, I should have gone to jail at 23 mm. and I had a judge who not only said you shouldn't go to jail, also decided no criminal conviction yeah. and told me to go and find a place in the world where good people exist.
2: Oh, I love that. I'm going to interject there because guess what? I just spent not that long ago some time on Necker Island with the former president of Bhutan. What is awesome about him is the fact that he created what they call the Happiness Indicator. Yes. And what that has done for a nation has been phenomenal. But one of the things they saw was in the, if we go into the criminal situation, like if someone was put in jail, they would have open doors and you could take your family and go in, you know, rehabilitation rather than, you know, we're telling you off, we're cutting you off and because that was not doing anything. So how interesting is that, Right.
0: Yeah. So that was tipping point number one. So I moved to Melbourne Yeah, and then tipping point number two was I fell into a job that I love. So I had a temp job with Morgan and Banks. Yes. They loved me so much that they took me on as a permanent EA and I fell in love with it. So when I moved into the consulting space within that business, I was mentored by Andrew Banks every week in Brookie Crash, who's, you know, quite famous in Australia entrepreneurial And it was called Rookie Crush because the first 12 months in the business you had to be in this thing. And I fell in love with a job that reminded me I was smart.
2: Wow, that's awesome.
0: And that was the next turnaround. I created an amazing that
2: You knew that you were smart. I mean, I, I, I honestly didn't think I was smart because I was dyslexic. One of the reasons I had trouble saying that word before is because I am dyslexic. And, <laughs> I say, you, um, can't be, you can't be was dyslexic. <laughs> I like to think it was a was rather than it is. <laughs> I don't live in it so much nowadays. But occasionally when I get really excited, it's my brain doesn't keep up with the words <laughs>
0: My head. I, thought that, I thought that was just Kiri Marie. I didn't think that was dyslexia. It is Kiri Marie, yeah, and it's
2: Kiri Marie because she has dyslexia. But, I, you know, and that was the thing. I thought differently to other people, and I literally, that was a problem because it was like everyone else was doing it this way. Everyone else would understand what the teacher was saying, and I would understand, but I would have to work very hard to understand, and then my brain would go off on other tangents. Tangents, yeah. I, Wow, and I, like when, I remember it, I was great in, in things that I would have to present to the class and be able to go and do in my own time. The problem came when I was in exams. And yeah, I would sit there, right. would, you know, and I hate forms to this day for this reason. But I'd sit there and the question would come along and I think I'm answering the question right and I get it back and the teacher would always say to me, you know what the problem is, you answered the question and it's right if that's the way we were asking it. But it yeah. wasn't the way we were intending the question to be answered. Now, that's okay nowadays. And in fact, that's been my genius is because I answer things differently. I look at things, I question things and, and you know, that pushes different and innovates new solutions. In the days of the past, that wasn't what they wanted. It wasn't what it was the way that they wanted to teach and yeah. it certainly wasn't the way I thought. Yeah. How do you now use what was obviously a foundation to some learning in your life to where you are now?
0: I think the biggest thing is, is the first thing was that I remembered I was smart, right? And the other thing is, is that, what has got me through from even then to now is I have insatiable curiosity. So I wasn't the smart kid that accepted the status quo. I was the smart kid who would be illegally in a nightclub the night before an exam I was, and get 100%. I was a I smart so kid. I wanted to be like that in my <laughs> <laughs> My best friend hated me for it. Yeah, um, I'm with so your best I, friend. <laughs> yeah. I was also the smart kid. I didn't, and my eldest son is like this. I didn't accept the status quo. So My brain was always going, but why? Yeah. But why? Don't tell me the thing. Tell me why. Tell me how. Tell me, unpack for me why this is true. Like I was always, and that was why I mentioned before my legal studies teacher in year 10 was an ex-barrister and that's why I loved her because as much as I pushed her, she would push back and sometimes she would actually say, crap, I haven't looked at that perspective before. And so I was never... You know, and I was never, and I, and even then, like, I might have been smart, but I wasn't from the right background and I wasn't from the right people and I didn't have the nuclear family. I, you know, by that stage, mum was on husband number three, my dad was on wife number two, and there was all sorts of shit. Like, And we'd had, you know, multiple homes. And so, you know, I wasn't... I I wasn't like, not the model background. No, not the model background, and particularly compared to the people in that school at that time. Yeah. And, you know, so so I've always had this different lens. And I think what happened by, you know, pulling out of life between 16 and 23, being like I was homeless twice in that period and all that sort of stuff. And I think what happened was it gave me a different lens. So I was always someone who would challenge, but it gave me a different lens. And, you know, even now, like, you know, people meet me as a speaker trainer and then we might have a coffee or a lunch and they're like, and I'll be talking about some stuff I did like in IR or traffic control or mining services and people are like holy sh- what so some of the strength that I bring through with what I do now is that and people will talk about it is in my rooms there's no standard approach there's no we have a robust framework but I can pull on everything and you know it doesn't matter what you bring to me I've seen it yeah um and you'd be a bit the same yeah. right it doesn't matter what you bring to me I've seen it so you know now as a woman heading towards 50, I am so grateful for that background because I have a lens that most people don't have. And like you said, it's a a lens that most people don't have. And so long as I remember to stay, as I say, strength, power, and grace, Mm -hmm. then it works. The minute that I step just into strength and power into that purely, and this is a whole different thing, a purely masculine energy, which I'm really good at, Mm-hmm. then I lose the strength in it. Yeah, but if I do it with strength and grace, then it works. Yeah.
2: How good is that? Okay, cool. Now we've established you and we know you like a challenge. So here's a challenge that I want to bring to the table right now for us to sort of have a conversation around. I believe, and this is what the leaders movement is all around, is that isolation is a huge epidemic and I believe it's the number one epidemic hitting global leadership. And I believe that unless we, and I, I say that the solution to isolation is collaboration. So wow. the way we collaborate is by creating this, what is the next, you know, like we know these are the patterns that have kind of not worked or have worked or whatever, but what is going to work going forward? And so I believe that that's through creating a new culture of humanity, which is 100% for humanity. So think yeah. about it. The challenge is with the lens that you have, that uniqueness, that amazingness that you've been able to achieve for yourself or where you've gone and the people in your world. How can we, as a collaborative across uh, the world, as humanity going forward, change what's happening?
0: Look, the there's more see, than- there's so much conversation around this, and I almost feel like it's like. You know, about five years ago, I wanted to throttle anyone who spoke about diversity and inclusion again because it was like put diversity and inclusion on a panel, fill a room of five hundred people, lots of speaking, and no fucking difference on the. Oh, sorry, no difference <laughs> on the ground, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, that's it. <laughs> but no difference on the ground, right? And I sort of feel it's a little bit the same because you know, connection, collaboration, intuitiveness, and all that sort of stuff are very much feminine energy-driven, as we know. Mm -hmm. So my point of view, which I'm getting much... We have
2: that lens that we put it through as that is the norm. A slight disruption to the conversation. I have a question for you. Are you even a little curious to see how you can use your platform to change the conversation? To maybe design solution pathways where you have certainty and afford movement? Or... Truly, do you want to increase your economic and cultural impact? Awesome human, if you want to lead, to pioneer a new approach, to role model what is possible and to leave sustainable footprints for the generations to come, then I would love for you to reach out to me and the team to see if we're the right fit to make this a reality for you. And if we're not, no hard feelings, as I know many awesome humans who may be the right one. Okay, I've included three ways in the show notes where you can begin a pathway with us on a journey to your next level. One, a strategy analysis. Two, the next growth incubator cycle. Three, a potential investment partnership as founder and CEO of Decision Velocity Global, I'm all about building a sustainable, scalable growth ecosystem where humanity, like you, are stakeholders. To design cutting edge solution pathways and to narrow the gap from problem to solution. I want you to come on this journey with me and others and not to be left behind. There is a seat at the table for you. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. Now, what I wanna know is how do we change that, right? Yeah. It's not the norm, it has in the past, maybe being conditioned, systematically said, this is what collaboration is like, this is what...
0: I believe collaboration, I believe true collaboration has no gender. Awesome. Okay, I believe true collaboration has no agenda. Yep. And I believe no agenda, that,
2: no agenda, Perfect.
0: And I believe it actually comes down to people's ability to communicate and articulate okay. with respect.
2: Tell us how we can do that. So no agenda, um, no, no agenda and yeah. communicate.
0: So I want, I want to actually stop seeing the rise of one over the other right that's still actually feel
2: there that's still, See here that, at this table I'm going to have people who have conversations that I'm not necessarily going to agree with so I have to ask questions like going into it going why is that what you're thinking right because yeah I don't know that every audience that I have is going to agree with you on this point right now right no. so and I,
0: I'm, actually, I'm actually pretty damn sure they're not going to because and so the reason being we want to have these conversations yeah. <laughs> and the reason being I've had these conversations once before and got shut down really badly if you remember and quite publicly i believe by the way that, there's no shooting
2: down on this recording ever you <laughs> will be alive I in the be if i thought you would and you know this is a safe spot like i don't i yeah. don't want it to be I agree, don't agree, whatever, I
0: want it as a conversation. But it makes needs, needs a really robust can't. conversation. Like, you know, people talk about having different perspective and different points of view and we need collaboration and connection because I, I agree. Isolation is the number one issue and it's not just leadership. It's why we have this ridiculous rate of male suicide. It's why we have this ridiculous rate of anxiety in six-year-old children, for yeah. God's sake. You know, not- it's not just a leadership issue, right? I know it's not. I'm using it there because I know you love like it. Absolutely, leadership. But what I still see playing out and, you know, I'm only just putting my head above to look at the view again, but what I see playing out consistently is that it's almost like there's still this fight to win in amongst it. Like, you know, everyone's fighting for a solution. Everyone's saying it's women, it's men, it's children, it's this, it's that, it's connection, it's language. You know what? It's actually just, and that's why I mean it needs to be no gender because it's just about actually putting humanity first. So, you know, when I... When I did some studies a few years ago, there was a decision-making matrix and it was three questions. Is it good for me? Is it good for those around me? Is it good for the greater good? Right. And if you couldn't answer those three, then it wasn't a decision that was good for humanity.
2: Yeah.
0: Right? Lovely. And it's, it's actually that freaking simple because also, too, if we use language, so if we use our words yeah. right, and we come from a position of, as I say, grace, respect, strength, power, all those things have to go into it because as a leader you need to be a powerful advocate for whatever it is that you want to influence for you cannot do that without communication yeah. you can't connect with someone at a soul level without understanding how to use language you can't articulate a challenge and articulate a solution if you don't learn how to use language and communication so my thing is I believe the gender conversation needs to pull up right mm-hmm. Because, yes, there are areas where women need to be lifted. There's also areas where men need to be lifted. I'm worried.
2: you know what I'm worried about? That if we lift up all the women, we're going to have in 10 years' time all these males going... Oh, we're jumping off cliffs. We feel undermined. We don't know where our place.
0: We've got to raise. We've got to rise together. And in some areas, that means we have to elevate the women because they're most disadvantaged. In some areas, that means we've got to raise the men. In some areas, we've got to remember that we're a fucking sorry. We're We're a village. (laughs) We're a village raising children. Yeah, we're a global village raising children. So if we take gender out of it, and gender is no longer the bias underpinning it, then what? It should
2: be humanity.
0: Right? Totally. So when you say humanity yeah. when you say humanity, I love it because straight away it's not about, you know, I'm actually getting really tired of the conversations around it's the feminine energy, it's the ma- uh-huh. no, it's just an energy. Uh-huh. It's an energy and we need to choose how we step into it. And the other thing is we all need to choose how we step into the energy globally from a humanity perspective, uh-huh. consciously. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh conscious so, and are we, our worth as we well, get in there
2: three things like i i you know i asked this question with humanity and and how can we change it but like even one thing so one of the things that i am playing around with at the moment is what is the one one thing that you can do to give a 1% shift of the dial and imagine if everyone did a one thing to give the 1% shift of the dial so that we could get closer to 100% for humanity. What would be the one thing you'd do? or could, One
0: thing. Or
2: that you could start that then other people can go, hey, I could put that on in my life or do that.
0: Yeah, my one thing is actually teaching people language. Awesome. Okay. My yeah. one thing is because I... Does it start with F? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> And not all the time
2: what's
0: <laughs> great <laughs> about being at our table this humor at it as well <laughs> <laughs> but it's actually I really believe in the power of language you know and I don't care so if you take the most disadvantaged communities in the world when somebody does come in to help they can't they quite often can't even articulate what is going on in their world and if we can teach them how to articulate what is going on in their world, we can actually then truly listen and articulate a solution that is right for that part of this corner of the planet. Yes. Right? If we, and if we actually, you know, when you look at, and the thing that's coming to mind for some reason is Dang, the, Dang Adolk, I think his name is, the guy came from the Sudan as a child soldier, is now a lawyer, he's like the poster child for Western University of Sydney. But they, when they go through his oh, life... History.
2: I don't know a lot of Australian... Uh,
0: yeah, so he's, he's not, amazing. He's a little
2: bit out of the loop,
0: having traveling the world and not... the world all the time, this nomad one. lifestyle. But yeah. the thing is, is that when they run through the things and when he got to Australia and got taken by his family in Western Sydney, the first thing he had to do was teach himself English.
2: Yes, right
0: right so he taught himself english if he hadn't learned the language of the land in which he lived Mm. he would never have been able to get through school get into university get his law degree and now he's a un human rights lawyer wow right now that's a big example but the thing is is that once people have their words yeah once they know how to actually articulate what they're saying without there's a couple of things without, you know, doing therapy from the stage, without asking for, for patronage, without asking for when they can actually stand in the strength of what is true in their world and articulate that with their language, the world listens. And that world might only be the person standing next to them, but the world listens. And we all get caught in it. You look at those amazing young girls who are doing extraordinary things in like the Middle East and they stand in front of the UN. Mm-hmm. What counts? It's their freaking words. Yeah.
2: Do you know what's interesting is I know we we give the world a hard time sometimes of what not what is not happening. What I really love is that there is some really amazing things happening across the world. And there is like there are those moments that humanity is really, you know, stepping up to that plate and going, I want to have a voice, I want to communicate it. And you know what? There are so many people who feel in a lot of ways, I'd love to add to this change. I'd love to be the change. I just don't know how to do it. So giving language, you know, and and being able to articulate how that is. I know for me, that was actually a really difficult thing. Going back to the dyslexia side, I can't believe I'm talking about that today because I don't really ever talk about being dyslexic. But anyway, it was one of those things that I found really difficult because I had to talk in front of people Do you know how fast I used to talk? I used to talk like really, really, really fast and my brain would work really fast because if I didn't get it out fast enough, I'd forget what I was saying or what I was about to say. Or
0: you would stumble on it, yeah.
2: Totally. So I had to learn skills like slow down and the reason I talk quite slow is because I'm processing a lot of what is going on in my brain and I want to listen so that I know how I need to process that next bit but I'm fearful of it now, but I have to, I had to go through a process. I went to one of the best speakers as a speaker myself and I'm being on stages. I used to go, if there was something I need to do more, what is it? And it was like storytelling. I hated our stories, right? Yet for context, people need the stories to go, ah, that's where I relate in it. And that's how I can do it. And that's It's that authentic kind of realness to
0: the whole situation. So we don't, if we don't understand how to, and I obviously do a lot of work in storytelling with what I do now. But one of the things that I say is: there's story. There's absolutely storytelling. Everyone knows that's critical. But we also have to story shape. So we have to story shape the message. And story shape isn't manipulation. Story shape is what are the parts of the story that relate to what we need to get across. But you know. We have to. So, language is the first step, and then teaching storytelling is the second because it's the fastest way. To, so, when you're saying about humanity, what I believe is missing. So, the opposite of isolation is connection through collaboration. In your case, but I believe that the fastest way to create connection is to give people language so they have the ability to connect. But then to teach them story because story is the fastest connector, and it's it's neurologically proven now that storytelling can change the the pathway in our brain. Storytelling can actually, is the fastest way to create a connection, to take us from me to we. Storytelling, especially if we flesh out just one character in a story, the person listening to us can take away 30 to 40% more content. Mm-hmm. Storytelling, when I teach speaking, is the first part of what we do because it's actually the only way to create belief and trust.
2: Okay, so here, here, here. This is the bit that I don't like, not the trace and and the trust in that. I totally agree on that. What I go is if I tell my story, because people go, they go in their brain, they hear something. So we've communicated something. We might not mean it that way, but because of their conditioning or biases, they take it on and then they go, oh, Karen Murray must be like this. If she's come from a broken background, if she's been abused, if this has happened, then she must be like this, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, story became, if I told my story and I was, mm-hmm. a new speaker for As so, I was a youth speaker for so many years and, you know, I would tell my story and everyone would go, you're so motivational, you're so inspirational, but they wouldn't get behind the yeah. story of what actually was the changing things yeah. what so, where they
0: needed and I hated that so the, here's the thing this is where I talk about story shaping right so story shaping is not about you telling your story mm. right storytelling is actually not about you telling your story storytelling and story shaping has to be about what the message is oh, awesome. to the audience and not what you think the audience needs we actually do an exercise where I flip you into the mind of the audience Ooh, right? Right? it's called the blue apple and it's five questions to actually shift you from what's important for you to what you think the message is to what the message actually needs to be for your audience to take away. Now, if okay, we so have yeah,
2: that. I have five questions. What are they?
0: So the first one is what? So, what is it you're talking about? The okay. second question is why? So, why am
2: going, going forward 100% for humanity culture?
0: Yeah. So, the second question is why does this matter to you? So, we've got to start with why it matters to you.
2: Humanity. That's the be all and end all.
0: Yeah, but why does that matter to you?
2: Yeah, because humanity matters because I wouldn't even be here if I hadn't been given a chance to be born. And I obviously have a purpose and humanity is the only thing that gets me through from the beginning to the end.
0: Yeah, so it's a belief in the good of humanity. Yeah. Yeah, so then it's Y squared, which is why would this matter to an audience, why would they want to hear from you? What is it they need from you? Yeah. Why would they turn up in a room to speak? Listen so to
2: very you? similar to yours. Mine is to give voice and advocacy for the frontline of humanity. In other words, I've seen brokenness, I've seen so much hurt, pain on the front side of humanity that decisions are being made at the top decision tables and they are affecting, and we're not communicating and we're not getting it yep.
0: across. I totally get that. That's still your perspective. Why would an audience member turn up to say, I want to hear from Kiri Marie?
2: That's a great question. Why would they? Why would you want
0: to? It's not for me to answer.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, but the reason I say that, and I love how I turn that around just then, is because that is actually the thing, is that it's different for everyone. I said, how can we, you know, and I, I mean, I'm all about growth and scale and, and creating sustainable, scalable growth ecosystems. In other words, looking at your culture and your company and then going, how can we get the result that you want with growth but get the impact that you want yeah. as well, right so that's why they come I was so, around because we don't go to the gym and go hey what's our one what's give me the the exercise program
0: that?" No. so so here's the thing though is that when you want to, especially when you want to create a movement it's more important that you create you understand the top one to three of those because you actually don't want everyone in your audience. What you want to create, you almost want to polarise, right? So you want to create, and let me let me unpack this for a moment. So you want to create, when you're speaking, you want to actually create people who go, oh, my God, Kiri was amazing. Far oh, out, she's not my world, right? Yeah. And then you want the people who go, thank God she's arrived. Yeah. Right, so they are raving fans. You don't want everyone, and we make a mistake of wanting everyone. You
2: don't get everyone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just for the recording, <laughs> I don't. Believe.
2: Just for the record, yeah. right here, right yeah. now, I can't get everyone.
0: will go. Oh, that's not my flavor. But the I'm reason being, and it's proven out. So you know what we're teaching and what is getting great success is exactly that. So we have. And even, it might only be a handful in each room, but this handful of raving fans, thank God she's arrived in the room because Mm. they become your advocates, your preachers, your converters, right? You only want them. You don't, you want to actually sort the ones that are going to take hard work, right? That's good. And that's why we go after one thing. And then, big, and this is like my son is studying commerce law, but he works in a political office. And one of the things he found out with Trump's campaign when he was looking at all different things happening around the world, is that they didn't go after swing voters or no voters. Mm. They went after their yes voters and amplified the crap out of them, yeah. right? As a political strategy, it was the first time it ever been done, yeah. right? So I don't care what your views are on politics, I'm just, that's what the strategy was and it's the same when you speak. Yeah. the same when you speak. All yeah. right,
2: so, so just recap then, how are you gonna create a human, like what is the one thing you're gonna do for humanity? <laughs> one thing. <laughs> I know. But sometimes we got to bring it back to the one thing that we're going to do for a hundred percent full humanity. So
0: I've actually only just been, and we've had, we've had some backwards and forwards messaging yeah. and conversations, and I've only really just in the last few days been able to articulate what it is. And my thing is where I want to go with this, and you're the first person to hear this. Oh, this is hot off the press. <laughs> <laughs> so where I want to go with this is I do want to give everyone the capacity. So I would love to take, you know, giving people a voice and language into communities where I don't have to make money out of it, where I can just go and do it as a give back. That's the end goal. To get my commercial vehicle right, to do that, where I want to go is I actually want to go back to my old stomping ground of corporate. hmm and I want to work where I used to work, which was with C-suite executive and emerging leaders who were male, and teach them how the hell to communicate. Beautiful. Because it it's no good actually lifting women, particularly in corporate, when men still don't know how to deal with that, how to communicate that, and how to operate the new regime. And so that's where I'm going now.
2: Oh, I love that. And you know what? That's actually a part of one of the partnerships that I'm with in the states, and we are looking big time at that. And how can you In that one, it's getting more women on boards, but like, it's the same that even though women need to step it up and need to learn how to do that, but how do the males then, where it's been absolutely male dominated go, hey, how do we have this this female come in? And it just becomes about the conversation, not male, female, which is where Yeah, we- you
0: know, when I first took over, I was installed as a hostile CEO takeover in a traffic control company. So the shareholding managing director was removed at 8 a.m. I was put in as the new CEO at 9 a.m. So it was a very hostile installation. And one of the things that was really interesting was I've been there for a few months and, you know, there's lots of plant and equipment, so lots of vehicles, trucks, plants, all that sort of stuff. And so one of our biggest suppliers was Toyota because we're always buying vehicles and trucks. And anyway, the state sales manager rang me one day and he said, do you mind if we pop through? And I didn't see anything unusual in that. And I said, no, no, that's fine. And he came in and he had the state manager with him as well. And he sat down and we we're just chatting and he said, Jack, he said, I'm actually here because we've got a real issue. Oh, not an issue. He said, we've got a real challenge. I said, what's the challenge? He said, and I kid you, know, he said, we don't know how to entertain you. Mm. He said, "You're the only female C-suite in this sector, and none of our client entertainment things are what we believe to be appropriate." Right? I wonder,
2: wonder what the audience who are listening today. I wonder what they would think, or how they would reply to that.
0: How interesting! Well, oh, I just said to him, "Would you like some ideas?" Great. Right. I said, well, "What I are you the doing?" Ideas
2: that you came up with.
0: So we ended up doing a trip to the polo um so we did limousine transfers to the polo and all of the male clients came but brought their wives
2: Mm.
0: or their girlfriends or in some cases their mistresses but but you know but it was we we just changed the tempo a bit. so they still had you know their drunken footy nights in strip clubs and things like that and you know as I said to them I said I'm actually quite comfortable in that space just include me they said actually we think the men won't be (laughs) so that's the other thing Mm -hmm. but it was a really interesting thing and you know so it just like and it worries me now. There's two things happening, especially with senior men. One is they are blindly still operating as if the world hasn't changed, and they don't need to change how they communicate and that sort of stuff. The other thing is we actually have a major displacement of men at that senior level yeah. because they don't know how to operate. They're second guessing everything, and all of a sudden, this, their pure strength that's gotten to where they are—they're questioning and second guessing. Yeah. So there's a lot
2: of questioning going
0: on. Yeah. yeah, and you know, and if you look at. You know, I've got a client at the moment who's doing a lot of work in leadership and his mission is to heal a broken corporate and he wants to do that through leadership development and one of the things that he has found in his research is that in more than 70% of cases, when you send people out for a leadership development program, they actually come back having regressed from where they were before they went. Hmm. And the reason being is because they get all of this hope and new skill and they come back, but the framework of the organisation hasn't changed in such a way that they can implement right so then they get disheartened so in more than to get that more than 70 percent of leadership development programs result in a regression of the skill of the people who participate right so it's the same thing the framework's not built so I went you know it's all well and good to elevate women and we have to because we need that voice at the table so you know where you're going in to have more women on boards I'd love to go into those people that have connected with it and say right let me work on the communication language skills of your executives Because they're not going to cope with this thing.
2: It's it's about women on boards, but it's so that both sides can absolutely feel that it's just, it's actually the best people at the conversation table. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. I love, like literally love all this conversation. We could talk for hours and hours and we probably would. You know, that's the sort of thing we would do. But what I think has come out of this as well is just that there is a vast thing happening across you know, the globe and yeah. what is happening with humanity across the globe. And sometimes we can feel like it's a huge, huge thing that, you know, we can't make a difference or we are not making a difference. What I love is the fact that you've taken your life, your individual life, your passions, the, your genius zone, and you're going, how can I add that, you know, to our humanity going forward? And today what we've we've really established is going, hey, there's, there's one thing I can do that can move, you know, that 1% shift of the dial and, and make a difference with humanity going forward. So I really appreciate that. Just to finish up, what I would love to know is, what is it you want everyone to remember that you, you know, after this conversation, after us like diving deeper, Into you know this, this, and in like some of the patterns that have happened, some of the solutions that you brought to the table, and then thinking about humanity, what is it you want them to remember from today and our conversation at our table?
0: So, one thing I want to remember from this conversation would be how powerful language is, language is connector and divider. You know, when I speak about powerful orators, we go to you know. Winston Churchill, Maya Angelo, Barack Obama, Marianne Williams, we go to great orators, but we forget that Hitler and Mussolini were all and Stalin were also great orators. Yeah. Right. So so language is the power of language. We can connect and we can divide and it's how we choose to use it. That's the one thing. And and that everybody deserves to be able to unlock the power of language. That's number one. The second thing is which is, you know, when you like we've talked a lot about my background and things like that. And The one thing that I would like people to actually take away from that conversation is not what it is because I'm like you. People hear my story and they get overwhelmed and you're amazing but they forget to listen to what's important. What's important is that you actually have to not let other people's interpretation of who you are define who you are. Beautiful.
2: I think it's not define who you are and then define the direction you take going through.
0: yeah beautiful
2: right Yeah. Right, that's a beautiful cool. note to finish on thank you thank you so much for coming and being a part of this.
0: that's okay thank you so much for having me
1: amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode make sure you subscribe leave awesome ratings and reviews our hope is that this product creates a new awareness activates ownership to what is next and a curiosity for the need to be a part of the change to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, join us at our next global human intelligence forum or apply to our next leaders movement parlay. Both links are in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to build a tribe and make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, pioneers, future thinkers, and movement changers. Big love. See you on the next global human intelligence podcast.